Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Democracy-ish. I'm Tore. And I'm Danielle Moody. And I can't wait to have all my problems solved by six whole hundred dollars. I mean, are you fucking serious? <laughs> this is what wait, we've are you been getting six hundred dollars negotiating hmm. for for months now? A COVID deal that will give us a single one-time payment of six. There are other countries that are giving people a thousand dollars a month. $2,000 a month. Maybe, France, $3,000 a month. I, I mean, perhaps other countries should give us some money for the cost of a cup of coffee. You can help a middle-class American survive coronavirus. Can we ask for sponsorship for Democracy-ish? Because I saw author Fred Joseph's tweet, and he was just like, this is on some BS. Like, what are what are we doing here in the richest country in the world where cumulatively, if we look at the first package and the second package, Americans have gotten, uh, and some Americans, let's be clear that this is not for all Americans. So if you are in a, a ele- like a, an elevated middle class, this is passing you over. So even though you may need the help based on your tax bracket, this is passing you over. But cumulatively, over a 10-month health pandemic, we've given Americans, some Americans, $1,800. $1,800. for individuals, $1,200 for married couples. Wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> That's just the same. And you know how many married couples have children? Do we get any money for the children that we're raising? No? Okay, great. I, I mean, you know, normally we come on here and dunk on Republicans, but this is also yep. a failure of congressional uh, Democrats who let us down. I mean, like, we needed much more as a country, and... Even with nine months, I mean, the first bill was like rushed. Everyone was in a panic. It was not enough, but we got to get them something. And 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 I understand the Pelosi thought of like we don't want to give Trump too much help, which is evil. But like I get it. But now 
now we're like just give them six hundred dollars and i mean like pelosi already signaled to her folks like we need to do more for the people but this this is insult this is one of the first times at least in a long time at least since this era of pelosi being in charge that i was like this does not make sense that nancy pelosi is in charge what doesn't make sense to me either is is this fact that they are handling this as historic monies to the American people when we know that that's not true. There's three trillion dollars. This is three trillion dollars. Two two pieces of legislation. Uh, first of all, we know that in the first stimu- in the first quote unquote stimulus uh, that went to their cronies and their friends and CEOs. We've heard about uh, the Kanye West, Tom the Joel Brady. Olsteins of the world, the Tom Brady's of the world, the 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 Shake Shacks of the world, and the Ruth Chris of the world that got millions and millions of dollars out tens of millions out of this trillion dollar package so we know that to be true we also know that trump properties got money in the first and second in the second stimulus package so again and then we realize mitch mcconnell given the opportunity to give the american people back their own money has then said you know let's just wait and see Let's wait and see how the pandemic plays out. This is what he said. And the only reason why we have a piece of legislation now is because we have a motherfucking runoff race in Georgia. And he wanted to give David Perdue and Kelly COVID Loeffler a a, a talking point on their COVID spitting trail that they're doing in Georgia. (laughs) COVID Spitting trail. COVID spitting trail. I saw mm-hmm. young Kelly yesterday be asked, I believe it was nine or ten times, who won the election? Who will be president on January 20th? And nine or ten times, she deferred, she slimed her way out of the question. She couldn't say with a straight answer, the reality is... Joe Biden won, and Joe Biden will be inaugurated on January 20th. And it's this continuation of a rejection of reality by the right. And 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 it's not – again, it's not that we're both in our own bubbles. They reject reality. It is not that Trump has more chances to play out the process and bl- – there is no fucking process. <laughs> They're going to court. Without evidence, and the judges are saying, show me some evidence, and even Republican judges are having to say, if you have no evidence, you have to go home. And Right, you, you cannot nothing. stay here. But do you know what's funny is that when you say that Kelly Loeffler was asked 10 times, isn't that the question that we ask people when they're coming out of a coma or amnesia? Tell us who the president of the United States is and that bitch can't answer. Maybe we should check her brain. Maybe, she's Maybe in they a coma. really did get lobotomy. Wow, Maybe the, they're in co- a the coma. The right is in a waking coma. A waking coma. A, a, unable to deal with basic reality. Can't process. Basic. <laughs> Can't process. Synapses ain't firing. They ain't firing. They're not firing right. We are still 
not a thousand percent out of the woods. We are still in the midst of an attempted coup, and the walls are closing in around them. And yet, and still, uh, Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani and folks are showing up at the White House, plotting on is there one more thing that we can do? And Barbara Starr from CNN is reporting that that scuttlebutt. At the Pentagon. And she reports at the Pentagon. So if she's talking about scuttlebutt, then folks are telling her, we are concerned that Trump will try to use the military to somehow resist uh, handing over power. And as much as folks like us and many folks listening would pay $50 or more of pay-per-view to watch Trump be forcefully escorted from the White House— um, I pay a hundred. <laughs> I give you. I double it. I double it. I pay a hundred. How much were the fights the other day? I, I pay a hundred. I'd pay a hundred. I would pay a hundred to see. I mean, like we got. We, it's got to be like like start in the oval. He's like, no. It's an extended back and forth. They finally grab him by both elbows, and they're like shoving him down the hallway while his ankles are buckling. And he's like, no. And he's like whining, perhaps crying. And they're like physically like exhort, like like what the police typically do to black people out in the street. This show is part. From the New Yorker staff writer Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions. Questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that forced David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities. Healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country. Immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun. And candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. of the Pro-Democracy Podcast Coalition. The midterms are coming and it's more important than ever that we protect and fix our elections. We all know that our government is broken. Politicians spend more time working for themselves, their big donors, and their political party instead of for us. We as Americans have had enough of the corruption, partisan bickering, and gridlock. Look, I get that all the nonsense makes you want to tune out, but I'm here to tell you there's reason for hope. Our political system is broken now, but we can fix it. That's why we've partnered with Representative us. 
a nonpartisan grassroots organization that has helped notch more than 160 victories to improve our elections and give power back to the voters where it belongs. Right now, until November, there are many, many ways you can get involved. Represent Us is working in cities and states to pass good government policies like ranked choice voting. And they're also recruiting folks to help staff the polls. Let's protect our elections now and for generations to come. Visit represent.us slash pod to learn more. That's represent.us slash pod. Torre, you know, I just came up with a brilliant plan. Since the government won't give us a relief package, we can create our own pay-per-view relief package because I'm pretty fucking sure we could raise more money watching that motherfucker get dragged from the White House. And then give that money to the American people because it's still our fucking money. It's still our fucking pay-per-view stimulus package. How'd that work? Um, So, yeah, you know, I have no I have never felt like this attempted coup had a chance to be successful. But we should be nervous for democracy in general, that they are still plotting they are still trying they're still trying to find that one chink in the armor of democracy that will allow them to put a stick in the gears and stop it and perhaps keep joe you know i mean like these people are talking about perhaps if we find a way to declare martial law and really it's only because they're not very intelligent that they're unable to figure it out because you could surely have an intelligent group of people conspire with another country. Like if you invade us or you attack us, then we create real panic in the country and we're able to declare martial law. Perhaps then we could do something. Um, But these folks are just not that intelligent. And I really do think that Giuliani, Trump, uh, Sidney, whatever the fuck, there's maybe one light bulb in that entire group of brains. But if you had a truly intelligent group of people, we would be in trouble. Well, if we had a truly intelligent group of people, we wouldn't have over 318,000 Americans dead and over 18 million infected with COVID. But nonetheless, when we think about who is hatching this plan, Mike Flynn, convicted felon, uh, who's sitting up in the Oval Office and talking about martial law, what would have made more sense, and I've talked about this on my own show, what would have made more sense is concocting the plan that you just said, oh, I don't know, for October, Right. Let that have been the October surprise. And then there would have been already 100 million people that had voted, but we would have had to stave off the actual in-person voting because there would have been chaos. And I'd said, watch him because I believe that he will do something like that. But he thought that because he had already waged war on the U.S. Postal Service, right, and had already waged war with Republican governors to halt polling stations and take away machines and all that, that he He had it all wrapped up and in the bag. So he's still shocked at the fact that his initial steal didn't fucking work. And he's like, wait a minute. How didn't? And what what I want him to say, much in the same way as, what is it, a few good men? I ordered the code red. I want him to say, why didn't the fucking steal work, Giuliani? Where where were you, DeJoy? it, it, It continually blows me away that he and his crew are standing there forcefully, angrily alleging electoral fraud 
when mm. the only actual electoral fraud was brazenly committed by them, basically in plain sight. Uh, but, I, you know, but they they made it so public and they were so uh, sloppy about it that I think that they triggered the pride of the U.S. Postal Service, right? Of the workers who were like, we work our asses off to make sure that every package gets delivered, every piece of mail gets delivered wherever it's going as much as humanly possible. We do not make mistakes as much as humanly possible. And if you're going to publicly try to make it look like we're the fall guys and we're the ones who's no, 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 Democrat or Republican – we're going to try – and if we can't get it there, we will do our best. And they were really good at getting the message out of like, hey, guys, it's too late. Don't rely on us at this time. Not our fault, but you can't rely right. on us. You know, the October plan would have been really interesting. And, you know, I've been waiting for some sort of usage of foreign policy to affect uh, – uh, uh, domestic policy, you know, and it, it wouldn't have even had to have been October. At any point in this year, Trump mm-hmm. could have attacked someplace else. Totally. And it would have been a galvanizing moment because in a moment of foreign attack, the American people generally rally around the United States president, right? And like, look, Putin is his homeboy. You know that when Putin was trying to rise to power, he he bombed his own up, an apartment building in Russia, killing hundreds of people, men, women, and children. So he does not care about his own people. He Trump and Putin could have very easily cooked up some small uh, encounter, w- right? Wag the dog type of war. hundred percent on some outskirt of Russia where Putin is like, I really don't care if a couple hundred Russians over here in Siberia or whatever die, you know, go ahead. I mean, like, you know, when American soldiers got killed, Trump could have said, yes, we're going to have American soldiers respond, make it look like we're not in Russia's pocket because, look, we're attacking Russia, even though Putin is like, hey, yeah, sure, go attack because I really don't care. You know, the, the thought of what he could have done, it, it, it's so, so easy to imagine. It's, a, it, it's really a bumbling bunch of idiots up there who couldn't figure out how to get this done. But had they ever tried to look like they are not in Putin's pocket? I mean, what's really funny here is, one, it makes obvious sense that Putin would have bombed his own people and, like, doesn't care. But look at what Donald Trump and the Republicans have done together. Again, 318,000 Americans are dead, right? That is is multiple 9-11s every single fucking day. Okay, so that is the 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 covid bomb that they set off has been we've been having reverberations of that for 10 fucking months. And didn't they? Oh, just 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 recently throw themselves a Christmas party at Mar-a-Lago with no masks and girls shooting cash in the air. I mean, it is like I swear to God, look at the pictures, folks. I wish I wish to God I was kidding. But unfortunately, I am not. 
we have a Vegas showgirl as president of the United States right now. And I mean no disrespect to the showgirls because you actually work really fucking hard, right? But like just the idea of, of what they have done, but they've done nothing to say, Oh, let's, let's even pretend to look tough with Russia. Let's even pretend like, Hey, Hey, you know how you set things up with your friend? Like, Hey, so I'm going to act like I'm really upset. You, you then act like, no, no, but you know, we're really cool. Real housewives of Atlanta, real housewives of the Potomac. Like we in a fight because we need more money. Right? So like they don't even do that. Police officer shot and killed a black woman in her own home. Incident after incident, year after year. Say Their Name, a podcast that focuses on the assault and killing of unarmed black people by police and in Stand Your Ground states. I'm the mother, father, sister, uncle, grandmother. We were best friends. We are humanizing these headlines, figuring out who these victims really were before the hashtags. Say their name. You can listen on the ACAST app or wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, you know, to say nothing of if they had just, I don't know, honestly tried to battle coronavirus, if they had said, hey, we're going to give every American $2,000 a month until December, every month. That alone, without actually trying to fight COVID, even Trump and Stephen Miller and them didn't think, let's just buy their votes. Here's an excuse to purchase their votes and let Democrats try to be against this. Barack Obama was smart enough to say, let's take a Republican idea and make it our own and they won't be able to fight against it. The Republicans are so not thoughtful about policy that they weren't able to say, let's take a democratic policy and make it our own and they won't be able to be against it. But Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You know, the Republican Party is not ultimately about policy. There's no ideas that they are there to fight for with the exception of outlawing abortion. They are ultimately about uh, trying to own the libs, right? Trying to anger the left. I believe that the left goes to Washington, goes to state houses with actual ideas in mind about 
climate, about healthcare, about making the world more equitable for black and brown and LGBTQ folks and for women. Um, I don't believe that the right in general has any real ideas except trying to stop the progress of the country on immigration, on racial issues, on taxation. Um, it's just stop things from happening. Um, it, there's no real attempt at governance. And, you know, we have an entirely broken system. You know, what? what is fascinating here when you say that there is no attempt at policy, but we knew that. Because over the summer, when the Democrats are preparing for their virtual convention and Republicans were doing their in-person COVID, COVID rally, they... They they did not provide a policy platform. Here is our here is what the what Donald Trump is running on. Here is what our RNC platform is. They said, nah, let's just run that shit. Let's just run that shit on repeat. That's how much they don't care about the American people that they don't even try to attempt to win any votes. So they just what they want to do is stop whole sections of Americans, black and brown people, young people, right, from being able to vote. They don't have to offer you any new ideas, right, because the people that would be against them, they're already throwing their votes in the trash, so they're not trying to work for them. And guess what? Without a platform, without anything that they could show that they could run on other than tax cuts for the 1%, 74 million people voted for them. 74 million people voted. And I'm saying to myself, how is your life better now than it was four years ago? Like, what the fuck are you actually looking at? Well, you know, with, I mean, I think we have a significant problem in that we do live in two different universes because the right is looking at it through the lens of Fox, Newsmax, OANN, etc. So they are getting an entirely different uh, reality and different is really unfair because they're getting on fake reality, um, whereas we're dealing the way things are. But one uh, New York Times columnist said that, you know, it went along, it, it was very valuable for Trump to basically be denying coronavirus, which allowed his people to deny the importance and the challenge of coronavirus. And then they were able to look at the world and vote as if coronavirus is not, was not a big problem. And if he had said it was a big problem, uh, then he would have had to do an entirely different calculus, political calculus, in terms of how he related to them. But saying that it wasn't a big problem um, allowed them to go forward as if it wasn't. And that allows you to see the world as if, like, well, you know, I'm pretty much doing better or pretty much doing, uh, you know, well enough. And, you know, I think there's definitely uh, a lot of middle class people who are able to do their jobs from home, who are like, things are pretty much fine for me. They may have a little bit more in the bank than they would have had because they're never going out. They're never going on vacation. A lot of basic expenses that seem, uh, you know, that, that Starbucks you get every morning as you go to work, you're not getting that. Um, so, I mean, for a lot of people, it hasn't been uh, a terrible economic year. Um, but we have close to 40 million Americans that lost their jobs, right? 
We know that companies to secure their bottom line did lay off a considerable amount of people. I have friends in various industries that were told, you're going to stay on, but we're reducing your salary by 20%, right? So, I mean, that that's like real shit. And what, what are you supposed to say? No, you're not. And then be without a job and a, 100% out? Right. With, or you want to be 80 percent in. I mean, with lots so, of people losing jobs, how are you supposed to go out and get another job or have the power to say, like, no, I reject your 20 percent cut? I, I mean, it's 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 immoral for a large corporation to demand we take a 20 percent cut when like what what can a what can a worker do? Where can you go when like, you know, how, when, how about the CEO take a 20 percent cut and then and then. Everybody would remain. How about the CEOs of some of these companies that are making money hand over fist? How about the shareholders take a less of a cut, right? As opposed to the people that are actually making your businesses run. But I haven't, what, I haven't capitalism of, is just so fucked. I haven't heard of any CEO announce that they are taking a pay cut because their company made less or because they need to put more money into the company. I haven't heard of – I mean if, if you've heard of one, please educate me because I haven't heard of any. Nope. I mean, I, I would assume that that would have made major headlines uh, if that had been the case. I've heard of none. I have heard of none. W- one more major headline before we go. Um, the Kansas City Star just Ooh, came out. That's a good one. Right? And apologized <laughs> for people. decades of misreporting the news around black people and mis. Uh, and, and just telling the story wrong in terms of black people. To say nothing of of years and years of lionizing their racist founder whose housing practices really uh, solidified gentrification and segregation within the city. Um, really powerful moment within the history of the Kansas City Star their mea culpa, which follows a similar one by the L.A. Times, which makes me wonder how long until the New York Times and the Washington Post and other legacy organizations have to say, yeah, we were not really getting it right in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, say nothing of the 80s and the 90s, And the 90s. Yeah, I thought that that story about the Kansas Star was really interesting because it's not as if anyone brought a lawsuit. This this was their this this was honestly their their own consciousness as they were uh, beginning to cover the murder of George Floyd, and then they're looking back and they're saying, "Wait a minute, how have so they decided to do take on this whole study to go through headline after headline that involved black people, and they're like, oh my god, oh my god.'" Right. Like we need to apologize to these people. And then what I also thought, not just even about the negligence in their in their in their coverage, but also just what they said was invisibilizing black people in general. They and this probably got you to a ray. The Charlie Parker piece, Charlie Parker being from uh, being from this being from this way and on his death. They said in 1950, I think it was 1955, when did he die? I forget what year it was, but they said not only had they not covered the man's musical career and genius, but then when he died, when he died, they decide they spelled his name, first and last name, wrong, gave the wrong age, gave his wrong age, like, and, and that, and when they looked at that, 
at, through the headlines. They're like, dear God, we couldn't even honor an icon. We couldn't even honor, like, uh, how, how do you misspell Charlie? Charlie? Parker. <laughs> Parker. Like, it wasn't, like, I, mean, I, I don't, a, like, how do you? This is an area where we have typically been able to break through. Like, you do it big in, in music or in sports, and the white people will give you love there. Not an actor. They wear your jersey and your t-shirts, go to your fucking shows, they know your name, and you couldn't get the obituary I right? I mean, I know that jazz was still controversial in the 50s, but it's Charlie motherfucking Parker. <laughs> He, he was a freak. I, I, I mean, the depth of the lack of respect for yeah. black people was massive. And just thank God that there's a tiny beginning of recognition of this history. I guess you, you see it a little bit in the, in the New York Times, not in a mea culpa, but in the whole 1619 project and just a recasting right. of America as a slaveocracy. Um but, you know, if they're going to do an actual would, – would love to see an actual apology so they're actually looking at themselves. Okay, we – But quick – wait, wait, we, wait. We, Before you move, just quick – I know, quick, quick, quick thing. Do you think that we will see this on cable news ever? And, like, the, the time, what, what editorial outlets are doing in terms of apology? We've only seen two. Do we ever think we'll see that in an actual cable newsroom? Interesting question. Um, I would guess no because – Cable is much younger as opposed to these legacy newspapers. And also there's much less of a self-reflection and a look back. It's always about looking forward, the next thing. We got to fill the next 24 hours of coverage. We got to move forward. We got to move forward. Newspapers have a little bit more time to be self-reflexive about the work that they're doing, about the work they did in the past. You know, I, I can't even imagine somebody going back through, you know, reports from MSNBC from 10 years ago, 15 years ago, see, like, how was this covered versus how it could have been covered? I don't even know who would be doing that work when we need to be, like, moving forward. Um, yeah. But, um, all right, well... You know, Merry uh, Christmas or Happy Holidays <laughs> or whatever it is that you're celebrating. But, you know, Black Baby Jesus, uh, it's his big day. So uh, let's not forget about that. Um, but thank you for listening to Democracy-ish. I'm Torre. And I'm Danielle Moody. And we'll be back next week, finally, with a discussion of A Promised Land, Barack Obama's presidential memoir. Danielle finally cracked open the book. So here we go. We Professor got Touré, you're going to be so proud. <laughs> we we got to make it to next week because we'll still have a country and we'll have Danielle talking about a book. <laughs> <laughs>